Title, I guess, kind of talking about ancient religions, how they kind of evolved into more modern day religions, um, and kind of like the aspect of like how control has kind of developed more in modern religions. Um, I don't know how much I'll get into, like, cults. Cults, like, on the other extreme, having, like, really controlling aspects to them. Uh, But, yeah. So, I've been back to studying a bit about Norse paganism um, and heathenry. Um, and Christianity, kind of like the combination of things. A lot of this came up for me over the past few days. You know, one of my friends was, uh, uh, you know, you know, picking my brain. We we're kind of like talking about the Quran and about Islam a little bit. He's not Muslim, but he recently finished reading the Quran and he remembered that I had read it. But, I mean, I read it so long ago that I didn't have, like, a lot of detailed um, comments. Just things that I remembered from, like, this is well over 10 years ago now. Probably close to 20 years ago that I read the Quran. So, it's like, it's not like I read it again. And unless I'm studying something specific about Islam, I usually, or, like, Muslim culture, I don't, or subcultures, you know, I usually don't go back into the Quran too much. But I know it's there. Um, I try not to be too turned off by different books. Um, I kind of understand as a whole that religion, when they're writing, you know, there's usually an agenda in mind. Usually the agenda is, this is the best way to live. Let's look at how things are supposed to be done according to this way of living and why we aren't promoting some other way of living like what is the downfall of that versus the benefit of this you know I'm not talking about Islam Islam specifically but I feel like most religious texts that I've come across or heard about they're usually not like oh yeah go be like any religion but you know we're just writing this book it's here if you want it but go ahead and do anything else you want you know usually you know I feel like things get written to preserve the information and to have some kind of clarity for people to like organize around an idea usually right like uh, I mean there are religions that exist in different cultures and beliefs uh, that exist with like oral histories and traditions and um, a lot of times too even just because something's written it doesn't really make it better you know, I don't want to judge it from my Western perspective and be like, oh, like, this is a better form of, like, you know, um, getting your point across than, you know, ancient, you know, oral storytelling traditions and, and things like that. Like, not every culture has, like, writing. 
and that's fine, you know, but it's, it's hard to come across material if there's no writing about it. You have to actually talk to the people, right? Uh, so that's one thing. And then another thing is um, when somebody's writing something, like there, there is kind of like, sometimes there's flexibility. What I've noticed, there's like this flexibility of like, you know, like take the Christian English Bible, for example, like there's so many different versions and, you know, editions of whatever type of Bible a person has a preference for. Some people care for accuracy. Some people care for, you know, being able to explain, like explain the concepts of the stories and not maybe the details. Some people want it directly translated from the originals, the very early originals versus like the originals that are kind of like some newer manuscripts were maybe found, some extra scrolls were found later on or something like, you know, um, in some, some groups, you know, like I think especially about like Islam and uh, Judaism, you know, they have you know, original texts in, you know, in, you know, biblical Hebrew for Jews and for Muslims, it's in Arabic, um, you know, the actual written original usually will stay, well, at least in tradition, will stay side by side with the English or with whatever language translation. They try to keep it so it's like, this is side by side, so we can't say you're like twisting all this, but there's still not everybody's on the same page even with that you know happening uh as like you know I guess to you know conserve some form of accuracy or tradition uh so it doesn't get changed over time to something else it's like this is originally the first way it was written and so well not really I think actually I think the bible had I don't think Hebrew was the first language. I could be wrong about that. Um, hmm, I have to look that up. Because I kind of always assumed it was, but now that I think about it, I'm like, was it? Because I know the New Testament wasn't originally written in Hebrew. Um, I think it was written in Greek, but there were other things to consider as well so I don't really know I'd have to look more into like the language history but anyways when it comes to like ancient cultures you know like like in anthropology classes a lot of times you'll hear about culture you'll hear about um you know you start learning about cultures and just kind of what a lot of cultures have in common um it's not uncommon for a culture to have a religion, even if everybody doesn't practice it, but like a set of like religions in the area. Like for example, the US, you could technically say there's probably somebody of almost every religion living in the country, um, but a lot of them you don't hear about or know about. Like if you ask me where's the closest temple of like a certain kind, like, I don't think I could point you in the right direction. Like, I think in LA, there's like this Hindu temple, um, in Malibu, 
it's not far from the self-realization temple but i don't know exactly where like i don't know if it's like pacific palaces i can't remember what area <clears throat> but somewhere over there um and then there's another area that's i don't freaking know it was like um yeah i don't know like i think in uh linda vista there's a lot of i don't know if they're thai uh temples you know there's quite a few that i've kind of run into kind of around and then you know like i mean i couldn't point you to a mosque in san diego like i don't think i know where one is off the top of my head uh over near uh i don't know what area it's called but like kind of not too far from ucsd there's like this gigantic uh mormon temple over there and then you know there's all sorts of places you know uh around but those aren't the only religions like in the cities you know there's plenty of other religions that people have uh, but I feel like some have the higher presence, you know, um, in there. I couldn't tell you where a pagan place of worship is because I don't know. Um, and I guess maybe that conversation with my friend about Islam a little bit and about about the Quran. Mostly it was about the Quran, but... Um, and then a little bit of, you know, going to this metal festival... And seeing some people dressed kind of maybe in attire that reminded me of like Norse pagan attire. Like I saw someone that had some tattoos that I, I was wondering, you know, like maybe they are actually a a Norse pagan practicing person. Uh, I, I wasn't sure, but I was like, I saw the hair. It was like in like uh, these pretty thick uh, locks. Um, kind of like tied back and had like a certain type of necklace on and a certain type of like I don't know it could have just been a tire because I was at a metal festival and that is something that comes up is there is this kind of like viking era type of you know vibe with some people and there is something that I noticed of an overlap of that kind of music that comes out of like Germany and some other countries in Europe um, some other Scandinavian countries and stuff that I've noticed with the music um, I've uh, really kind of found some similarities in it and there's some groups some uh, bands that ah, I'm blanking on the name of this band but there's this band I really want to see that I got introduced not to them necessarily, but started to hear about them through this uh, Norse pagan guy. He was His channel was called Wisdom of Odin. I hadn't been on there for a pretty long time, and now it looks like his channel is called Jacob Todson. I think he changed his channel name to brand it to his own name, I guess. Um, and... Yeah, in a lot of his episodes, he gives a, he gives a, 
um, you know, he has a song at the beginning where <clears throat> he's, um, I guess, talking about whatever the topic is, but usually there's this band that he is really into, uh, that he uses a lot of their music for the intros to his videos. I'm trying to look up the name of the band. Uh, let me see. <clears throat> Hylong? I think that's it. I don't know if that's how you say it. Hylong? H-E-I-L-U-N-G. Um, Heilung, Heilung, I don't really know how to say it, but I think that's the name of the band, uh, group. Um, it's a pagan, a modern pagan folk band. Um, I kind of want to see them, because I hear a little bit of their music, and it's like, it kind of reminds me of, like, it's, it reminds me of, like, when I listen to, like, intros of, like, metal albums, like, Avenged Sevenfold, and things like that where I'm just like whoa this is um pretty you know deep um <clears throat> like pretty intense sounding music um but you know that kind of music you know the, when I was at the festival I started thinking about it when I saw that guy and the people he was with they all kind of had like I think he was with one other person that kind of looked like they kind of had a theme going on with their attire um, and their hairstyles and things. And sometimes, you know, people just have like a form of a costume on. Sometimes it actually is a form of regalia that they're wearing. Sometimes they actually, like I'm talking about when people go to concerts, you know, uh, especially like metal concerts where there's metal and stuff like that. Like in rock music, people dress a certain way according to the genre or sub genre whatever you want to call it um and you kind of see people's clothing styles and you're like okay this person's in the rockabilly okay this person's in the like 80s punk okay this person's in the like new metal you know this person's you know into like you know whatever like there's all these different um ways that people can dress that makes them look like they're into a certain type of thing and sometimes it's a little hard when there's overlap with stuff it's like what are they like are they representing their actual culture like I guess this come well this isn't the same topic but this kind of comes up with like indigenous North American groups where you know people have the I don't know what what you call it but there's like a type of regalia where there's like feather like a feather headdress and like maybe like a breastplate and all these types of like attire that people in the past at EDM festivals have worn that type of attire. And then at a certain point, you know, people started calling it out and being like, you know, it's like a form of cultural appropriation and, you know, it's really not okay to be like wearing other people's, you know, traditional uh, cultural garb you know without being a part of that culture um and so I think in my times going to EDM festivals I've only seen two people and they looked like they knew each other because they were walking around together 
and they were wearing like these big headdresses and stuff. They didn't outwardly look to be like any type of indigenous like North American group, but I don't know their heritage. I don't know these people. They could have just looked like how they look, you know, and totally been like whatever culture it is. Um, and that's between them and their own situation and their own, you know, I, I try not to be like, I, I, I feel like when people do stuff like that, they're not intentionally trying to be like doing something. They're not like, I'm going to put on this and like make fun of these, this culture of people and wear this. It's not like they're like, okay, I made up a play and I'm wearing blackface or something like, it's not like that. Like, it's not like outwardly like racist or something, but it's also not um it's also not too um like it's easy to offend and you know it's I think it's kind of hard for people of different cultures to understand because it's one thing to wear it and feel like oh like somebody looks beautiful wearing this attire it looks nice you know like, there's this uh, African-American lady on YouTube who does videos on uh, of her experience living in Japan. And sometimes she takes photo shoots in, in certain areas in the city, it looks like. And she'll be wearing a kimono or, like, something like that. Um, and people stop and they say, oh, she looks beautiful. And um, they kind of say, like, oh, you look nice, like, like you, you'll see a lot of elderly people stopping to talk to her, and, like, oh, you look really good, you know, but she's not walking around, like, making, like, a weird fake accent, and, like, making fun of Japanese culture, you know, um, it would be different if it's, like, somebody's dressing, like, a culture, and then they're, like, at the same time, like, making fun of it, and, like, doing all kinds of, like, weird little things to make it seem, like, like a joke or something you know it's kind of a really sensitive line I think for a lot of different cultures um like if I saw someone who didn't look like they were African or who didn't look like they were black and they were just like wearing like an afro and you know like some kind of different you know African colors and some beads and maybe like I don't know they wouldn't have to have a daishiki but maybe a daishiki or some kind of like traditional looking uh like kente kind of looking cloth and stuff like that and then like walking around like faking an accent and like kind of like doing little mannerisms of, like to make a joke or something I'd be like what is this person doing you know what I mean but it's like you know it's a fine line so like I don't really know a person's situation when they go and put on those types of clothing I don't really know what they're actually doing it for and I'm not gonna like be like oh excuse me like are you what culture are you and like (laughs) you know like I don't know these people so you know I just you know I feel like sometimes people do it innocently because they think it's fun and they're in the moment and they're having fun and they're thinking about their experience they're not thinking about is this offensive or is this something that we're phasing out in society you know I think that's something that has been kind of more recently phased out that it's like we kind of all most of us, I feel like, got the memo. Some people maybe didn't get the memo, you know. Um, so they don't really know that that's not acceptable as much anymore. But um, I feel like with some other cultures, people aren't really going to be too sensitive about it too much. 
And usually you don't see other people that aren't like Caucasian looking people wearing like Viking, like Norse type of Viking looking attire. Um, too much, too much. Um, I mean, when Halloween comes around, you see all kinds of things, but, um, I'm just saying on a day to day, there aren't really that many places, at least that I know of where people would be wearing those types of things. Um, I mean, maybe in Europe, they might have events in Europe that might be different. And I know that in Europe there is, I did hear a person who actually was of Norse background and that is that was their ancient um the religion was their was part of their ancient heritage and things like that and there was kind of this debate between can you like convert to Norse paganism or is it something that like is part of your actual bloodline heritage and you're like I'm claiming this because this is where my people are from you know um like if I say that like I have ancestry that's Zulu that's different than somebody else saying that they you know like wearing the stuff and saying like you know they oh I know about the culture or whatever but it's like you know whatever you know what I mean it's like it's a little bit different but it's touchy for some people I don't know um I go back and forth between stuff because I'm like I'm not one to try to want to offend people But at the same time, it's like, it can be easy to be offensive just by talking about this stuff. It's like, I feel like I have to go so long out of my way to like make so many disclaimers about so many different things. So it doesn't come across like, oh, I missed this one area. And then it's like, (laughs) like nobody's coming at me about it, but I'm just saying like, I feel that way. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to assume that like. I'm not considering this one type of scenario or whatever. And I still don't really say every single detail of everything I want to cover. Um, And yeah, so basically when it comes to um, ancient religions, um, there seems to be this time period that I I haven't fully studied but there seems to be this time period pre-Christianity um and pre-Islam where religion seemed a little bit different um uh there wasn't a lot of like converting like I'm not saying people didn't convert that they didn't you know go and like have wars and all these kind of things but um I think, and I could be wrong, but I feel like Judaism, if you look at the, the, I don't know if evolution is the right word, but how, you know, things evolved, like there were basically, according to the Bible, there were groups of people, you know, that were being persecuted from a certain lineage, um, pre-Egypt, You know, there was something happening where there were, there was this, you know, lineage of people coming from, you know, the bloodline of, um, uh, 
I guess it's kind of confusing to see who the bloodline really came through because, um, I mean, if Cain was banished, right, and then Abel was, um, yeah, Cain was banished and then Abel was, um, killed by Cain, those are the only actual children of Eve that were mentioned in the Bible, right? Um, I mean, you know, scholars are always saying like, oh, there were more, there were more. And I mean, it makes logical sense. There had to be more. Um, Adam and Eve couldn't have just like done it all themselves, uh, populated the world like completely all by themselves. Like there had to be something going on there uh, that was more than just you know, um, Cain and, Cain and Abel, it wasn't like, okay, at, there was Adam, then there was Eve, then there was Cain and Abel, and then that's the end of, you know, human existence, like, that's not really how it goes, um, but, let's see, I'm trying to search something while I'm talking. I feel like I'm so foggy on so many things. Okay. So. Sorry, I'm like looking at this Bible. Um, <clears throat> at these chapters. Um, I want to look at something and mention something. Uh, I just got to scroll a lot. Okay, so after the murder of Cain, okay. Oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. So even though Cain got banished, um, and he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden, the lineage goes, Cain and his wife conceived and bore Enoch. And so, yeah, the lineage comes through Cain, I mean, obviously, it wouldn't have come through um, through um, anyone else, but it's like, yeah, from there, from Cain, you get names like um, Methuselah, Lamech, um, uh, and... Then it goes, it says Adam's descendants to Noah and his sons. And so kind of that lineage from Seth um, all the way down to pretty much, you know, Noah that had um, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Japheth, I don't know how to pronounce the names, as his sons. Um, but yeah, like, when you look at that lineage, like back, what I'm trying to say is look at that time period in modern day Judaism, right? Modern day Judaism is a lot more organized, right? It's not just people out, you know, in the desert that are like, oh, we're part of this lineage from Cain and on. And, um, yeah, that's not really how it goes. It's not like, oh, we're part of this lineage from Cain and on and... Like, back then, in the Bible, other than, 
sacrificing um, and praying and things like that, I feel like you don't see much about Jewish culture, about how to live, um, about how they were living. Uh, You know, you don't really see too much about that. Um, You see that there are... You know, I guess Cain worked the land, apparently, it seems like, because that's why he brought first fruits. I guess Abel worked with animals. Um, I don't know. They would have learned this through either God or Adam or Eve. I don't really know that part of the information. Um, I don't know what Noah did for a living, but... Um, apparently he he and his family were a different type of person, you know, they were living in a way that was connected to God, you know, I mean, back then they couldn't even have said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, or whatever, or Moses, or any, like, none of these, this is pre-Moses, pre-everybody, you know, like, the Ten Commandments were written, like, after the exodus from Egypt, Uh, so that's not even in Genesis, uh, because we still have to get all the way through Genesis to get through the story of Joseph, and then, you know, at that time, you know, the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. And so you don't really get to see a lot of the early religion. You just hear stuff about, you know, sacrifices. Um, there's the part about Noah building the ark. Um, but other than like the sacrifices and, you know, these kind of miraculous things that you see in here and just kind of like, the lineages of the people and kind of the stories that happened within those lineages, like the main story that kind of happened during, you know, whoever's life, you know, during Enoch's life, during Lemek's life, during Noah's life or whatever. Um, you kind of hear these little stories about these important figures, but you don't really know everything. You just kind of know like a story or like a big story or like a smaller story um, and some characters pop up over and over and other ones don't. And it kind of follows this like history of a lineage of people. So if you look at things from the book of Genesis, for the most part, up until Joseph, um, and Joseph living out with his brothers and his father and, you know, all out in the desert you know when you know after Jacob becomes like Israel and you know um Israel has all those sons Benjamin being the last son after Joseph but when Joseph yeah basically Benjamin being the last son after Joseph um and getting sold into slavery by his brothers and um you know having all these kind of like dreams with the having all these dreams and the, the the coat that his father gave him and all these different things 
like you don't really see a lot of like traditional modern Judaism like they don't talk about tefillin they don't talk about you know like davening or different like prayers they don't talk about reading of Torah portions like there was no Torah portions yet like there was no written religion yet this is like the ancient phase of this religion pre like I don't know if there was anything written back then but it was like technically I guess pre Bible um because the Bible doesn't happen till after well after Moses gets the Ten Commandments um uh, by the time Jesus is on the earth you know way back way later on um by the time Jesus is on the earth there's already written a written Torah um to study um but there was still a lot of oral tradition as well and the Ten Commandments were written I guess you know they were written um on stone first by God then by Moses and then I guess from there you know you don't really hear a lot about about anything but it seems like Joseph knew how to read and write um which I don't know if I'm if I'm if I heard that from like a story or if that actual is biblical that Joseph knew how to read and write but I feel like he did because he impressed you know the higher-ups in Egypt and he got a position in government um, and was like favored among the young men you know in the kingdom or palace or you know, in society that were kind of, like, considered, like, you know, smart, you know, um, and so, yeah, like, he, I don't, I don't know how long, you know, the span of time is with the Hebrews in Egypt, but it goes all the way till Moses frees them, that's like a long time after and so they had been slaves in Egypt for a really long time and then you know Moses during Moses time and Moses you know lived to be what like like 120 years old or something like Moses was old like I don't know at this time like but I think they say that his life was broken up into four different segments uh, three different segments of 40 years each that were like major periods of time because remember they wandered in the desert for like 40 years and so he was like 40 I guess when he led I, I think I could be wrong on this but I think he was about 40 when he led them out of Egypt they wandered for 40 years now that that wouldn't line up because he died before they entered the promised land um so he would have died at 120 so then that means that yeah so they wandered from when he was 80 to 120 years old. That sounds excessive. I don't know. So he would have released them earlier, like gotten them released earlier. I don't really know. I can't do math right now. But anyways, um, I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. 
about how we get some of the modern religions, you know, because when you look back, even because the reason why for me it it is easier to start in American Western society, it's kind of easier to start with looking at Judaism because, you know, Christianity is considered one of the major religions as well as Islam. And so between the three of those religions, Judaism was the first one. But I feel like people weren't really converting like Jews their their um I guess they weren't really like on a mission to like convert people to Judaism. Like you were born into it and you were Jewish and that's just how it went. Um yeah, there it's not that there weren't any people that never converted, but it's not like Christianity or Islam, how like they were kind of on a mission to do that and convert people. Like, I don't really know about, you know, in history, if there was a lot of like Judaism of people, of people in Jewish culture trying to convert others, at least in the Bible. I haven't really seen that. I would say maybe I saw it. I mean, yeah, with the New Testament, of course, but that's not that's not like modern day Judaism. That's a, that's a whole different thing. And I think the reason why it's so important to also look at paganism is because it kind of gets, you know, once we start getting into Christianity, things start getting a little complicated because there's other cultures just being like thrown in on top of this other culture that stemmed from another culture. So it's like, it's just it just gets very interesting but early Judaism doesn't appear to have a lot of like need for converting people I mean I you know other than Noah telling the I guess the wicked people of the of the region you know to get in the ark and all that kind of stuff like or yeah or other than like Moses you know telling Pharaoh to let you know the Hebrew slaves go to let his people go you know those are the only times where I really see anybody early in the Bible trying to be like you need to listen to what this person says you know um I mean there's so many different stories in the Bible but um when you look in the Bible, usually in those early Old Testament days, you don't start seeing the Jews having too much to have to do with too many other cultures until Egypt. Um, then it's like, okay, now they're enslaved, and so that's a whole different thing. And so they're enslaved for however many generations they're enslaved for, and then they flee for, I guess, a whole generation. They're you know, in the desert wandering. I don't know if that's literal or figurative, but, you know, they're wandering. I guess the theory is they're wandering to be able to kind of kill off a generation of people that were kind of like raised in slavery and having all these kind of like habits and things and could basically come into a new nation of people that grew up in the world that were group that grew up not being slaves basically um and so once they enter the promised land 
and Moses isn't allowed to go and he dies and then from there um, there does seem to be a lot of warring and there's a lot of you know wars and battles and things like that um, and I don't know if the reason was to convert people maybe it was and I am very rusty so I don't really know but basically Oh, man. So from the time when Moses gets the commandments through like the majority of Exodus, it's a lot of commandments. Leviticus is a whole lot more of commandments. Uh, and then in Numbers and Deuteronomy, you start getting into some more solid stories. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, let me see. Sorry, I gotta kind of look stuff up in these Bible apps and stuff because I don't really know. Um, so let me see if I search. If I search numbers, like the Book of Numbers. Um, let's just say sorry, no books were found. It's like a whole book. Um, oh my goodness, they couldn't have made this any more difficult. I mean, can I just look at the Bible? Is it that hard? Um, so okay, if I go to Numbers, the beginning of the book of Numbers, um, and I scroll back to the end of Leviticus. Uh, the end of Leviticus is talking still about more and more commandments. Uh, Leviticus 27 ends on votive offerings. That's the heading that I see here. And then the book of Numbers starts with the first census of Israel. Um... And it says it's in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. Uh, so it goes from Reuben, which was a son of, um, well, basically it goes from all of the sons of, of Israel, which was Joseph's dad. So all of his brothers, including Benjamin and yeah, all of their lineages um, all of their descendants, um, and from Levite, you have the priestly, you know, the priestly order. So I think from there is when you start to first see more organization, like, cause now they have the commandments and they have Leviticus that has plenty of detail about the commandments of what to do and all these details of how to do every single thing. Um, and, you know, things are kind of like militantly organized between like the Levites and the regiments and the different groups of different tribes of people and all these different encampments of all the tribes and... 
you know, the sons of Aaron, their lineage, and the Levite duties, and the census of the Levites. And then it talks about the redemption of the firstborn, enrolling firstborn males of the Israelites from one month and upwards and count their names. So basically adding them to the census, all the firstborn males. Um, take There's a census taken of the Kohathites <clears throat> separate from the Levites um, and their ancestral clans. I guess I wasn't using the right, the right word. It's ancestral clans, not tribes. I guess the whole tribe would be the tribe of Israel. <clears throat> Gershonites um, and their ancestral house and clans. Um, and it just, it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, and then it starts talking about unclean persons, confession and restitution concerning unlawful wife, like different types of commandments, uh, about the Nazarites, about different types of like cultural types of ways of living, I guess, um, that kind of is like more organized so I feel like in Judaism you don't really start seeing too much organization um until like too much of an organized looking religion until all these rules are given to like these priestly people and like you know either when they're in the desert or you know once they're in the promised land now they have some kind of organized look to the religion with a bunch of rules uh, and, you know, Passover and all these different things. Um, whereas if you compare before Exodus, you really just have like, you know, groups of people living out in the desert with their families, you know, it doesn't say anything about them going to temple or what they just seem to know how to do sacrifices and things and the reason why I mentioned that is because a lot of ancient religions seem to be that way a lot of ancient religions like even the ones that I don't know what they're called uh, when I look at different cultures like say you know people know that I like to watch documentaries I like to watch you know, about ancient. Um. Oh, that sounds like somebody's at my door. Give me a second. like somebody was coming putting things on the door this heater's loud but sorry I'm gonna turn it on for a little bit before I start melting um so yeah maybe I'll go in the other room so it's not so loud uh, cool thing about this hotel it has more than one room so yeah this one has a has air too but it's not like the whole unit it's just event so I can still hear it but it's not as loud um 
So yeah. Um. All right. Let me get settled here. Then you gotta get settled in another place. So basically, when it comes to you know what you see in uh, the Old Testament with you know the altars and the sacrificing, like you started seeing. I think since the Garden of Eden, you see a sacrifice where, you know, after God finds Adam and Eve hiding from him in the garden, after eating from the tree, after the serpent got involved with them and everything, um, <clears throat> they go and they, you know, make clothes for themselves out of plants and they realize that they're naked so they do that and then you know they said that they were hiding from God because they were naked and God's like who told you you were naked it's kind of like they didn't even have that sense of nudity or anything like that something changed you know a lot um where they started trying to have like these deceiving things and I I I don't know I don't want to get into this right now but you know I think about that story a lot because I'm like what part was like I don't really care honestly to like debate if sin exists and all these kind of things um I think people naturally know regardless of what religion you are you know if you're harming yourself or others you're probably not doing the right thing if you're not harming yourself or others pretty much everything's up to question at that point you know drums in church are they really that evil is it really that bad if a woman wants to wear a tank top or drink a coffee you know like those types of things to me don't really seem to be as big of a deal as if you're doing right for your own self your own health and for others around you and having healthy relationships and not like being abusive and gossiping and you know stepping on people's toes and lying on people and you know doing all kinds of like just wild things like that's completely unnecessary but I often wonder with Adam and Eve um when they were in the garden what was the part that like it seems like there was a sequence of events that led from like how we're always taught you know we're basically always taught that the second eve ate the apple or not the apple i guess it was just a fruit but i don't know why it became an apple but the second eve ate the, the fruit we notice that she from that point becomes it says you know her eyes were opened you know adam adam ate it after her their eyes were opened and um, but was that the issue, you know, um, was eating it the issue? Was it the step before that where she was actually talking to the serpent and getting ideas and thinking and like, you know, getting tricked basically from what she knows where she says God told her, you know, don't go near the tree. 
Um, and then the serpent corrects her and is like, yeah, God didn't say you can't come near the tree. He said you can't eat, you know, he said, you know, because he knows that you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. And there's some debate around Eve wanting to be like God, and that's why she ate it, or maybe she ate it because she got tricked, or maybe the problem was that she went against the command that God told her to not go near the tree, um, and God did say that they would die. I don't know if they understood what death was, because it sounds like they'd never seen a sacrifice or animal die at that point um so maybe they didn't even know what death was and you know um but they seem to be you know tempted by it to they seem to have a curiosity even if they didn't know good from evil or whatever that means they seem to have this curiosity right and I guess what I'm trying to say is you know that's like a side a side issue that I kind of I'm like that story has like so much depth depth to it like the more I try to think on different angles of it that I realize it's it's it's, it's a beautifully deep story that I really like to think about on a regular basis because I get so much like um different insights and angles into things like like um but anyways um all that aside you know you see god in the garden of eden you know killing an animal for the clothing and i believe people say that that was considered a sacrifice for them sinning or for their transgression or because when somebody breaks a rule or law or something you know it has to be paid for with blood of a sacrifice of some innocent blemish blemishless type of animal or something I don't know um, but sacrificing seems to be something that in the modern society that we have it's kind of like a taboo thing like I'm from a culture of people that you know there will be like slaughtered goats and you know or maybe like a calf and things like that on occasion but you know it's usually for like a, an important traditional ceremony uh like a wedding especially it's not uncommon to have like a goat slaughtered for a wedding or something like that like these types of things aren't like uncommon um but you know nobody really treats it like um something you're gonna do every day or every week They're like you know at least in my family and my culture i don't hear people talking about like your sins or wrongdoings and like putting it on the animal or bringing like a, a blemishless or an unblemished sacrifice to some kind of altar as part of a worship you know a worship tradition like I don't really see that in my culture as much just more so the sacrifice or slaughter of an animal 
but it's not really tied in necessarily with like a religion necessarily like nobody really calls it that nobody's like oh we're practicing this and this is why we're doing that like it's it's usually to commemorate like a very special event um if that like it's not like it happens like all the time but it's like it can happen and if it does happen it's usually in that scenario um so there's that um you know the experience of like an event with a sacrificed animal but I feel like you know if I talk to most of my friends that don't have any kind of like ancient traditions and everyone in their family kind of have like modern western practices I don't really hear of that many people in modern western society sacrificing or slaughtering anything on their own unless they live kind of more you know like my family in the midwest they fish and hunt so of course they're gonna you know clean the animal and like prepare it and everything so you can like eat it and store it and everything but like store like the frozen meat or whatever or use like the animal fur or whatever it may be um but where we live in the city that's not even like an option like you're not killing any animals um I mean there is stuff to kill that's not like pets but it's not like calves or like goats or anything it's like different kinds of birds and different kinds of like like possums and raccoons and skunks and that kind of stuff like you know like rodents like we don't really have like animals in the city that would be considered like something somebody's going to use for like some kind of real sacrifice like maybe I mean if you're going biblical maybe pigeons like pigeons are mentioned in the bible but I don't know about all these other types of animals and people aren't usually sacrificing dogs and cats and stuff either, so I don't really know. But, um, we, um, I don't know. We kind of would do that. We would kind of, uh, uh, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know when it comes to, uh, like the Bible, I really don't see that much, uh, going on that's, um, you know, actually, a, uh, like looking like ancient religions. But when I think about what I've learned about about paganism I don't know really the full difference between heathenry and paganism I think they're different uh, I think there's astrotrue pagan and heathen but I don't know where they overlap or what um, I think I, I think I had notes on that somewhere but I don't know you know what 
Yeah, I think I recorded about it before, or something along those lines. But I really don't remember the details. But anyways, you know, in, in pagan culture and tradition, you also see, you know, altars for sacrificing animals, um, or at least like some kind of form of like worship with nature involved. Um, it can be like private or with a group of people. Um, I feel like pagans are almost lucky that they don't really have like a written scripture necessarily. Um, I think there's a book, I can't remember the name of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like they use it like the Bible. Let me see. Let me look it up and see what it's called. Um, I'm terrible with the names for these things. Um, let me see. If I look up pagan Bible name. Looking up, does paganism use a a holy book? Because I think they said that it, there isn't one, but I don't know. <clears throat> it says the sacred text of of paganism is not a holy book, but the natural world itself. Uh, pantheists, polytheists, or animists. Um, or even atheists, um, uh, and yeah, it doesn't seem like there's like an actual one book. I think there is a type of book that I heard about, but I think the issue with it was that it's old like it's I mean that it's more modern based or something it's not like an old scripture or something that people have to follow and I feel like that is kind of lucky because it's like you don't get all these weird people like trying to f well you probably still do but you you don't get a bunch of people that are like well, this book says this here, and it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to kind of know, you know, when there's a religion that has a book, and there's clearly stuff in there that you're not going to do, right? Um, there's clearly stuff in there that you're not going to do. Um, especially as times change and times go on, you're not going to do a lot of it. Like I just talked about Exodus and Leviticus, you know. And some of numbers, you know, there's a bunch of stuff in there that, you know, if somebody becomes a Christian, they're not going to look back at Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, um, and start looking at all these commandments and start just trying to do every single thing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, some of it, you would never be able to live like a normal Western person. Like, 
you know, you'd be like sacrificing all these animals and you'd have to basically have a herd of animals and be like, or buying like full on animals or catching them or trapping them or whatever. Like you'd have to live somewhere where you could get access to animals to sacrifice. You'd have to uh, follow all these laws and rules of things that are so ancient that there's some stuff that like just people don't do that anymore you know um and so it would just be a little bit complicated and I know there there are people that say like oh like nobody does this anymore because the you know the the most holy place and the temple and all these kind of things like the temple doesn't exist anymore so you know these sacrifices can't be made because that's the only place or like you know, the Christian perspective is more so, like, you know, that, you know, the new does away with a lot of, you know, like, with Jesus being sacrificed does away with a lot of the other stuff, and, like, having to be done, and I don't know, um, there's just all these ideas that are just so, um, confusing when you start getting, like, a written text, you know, it's like, you can spend a lot of time thinking about like what does that actually mean versus like going with your experience with what happens when you worship or what happens when you um do some kind of like praying and worshiping and you know um some kind of like um thing that's sacred between you and your god or multiple gods or whatever it is you know, like, that you're worshiping, um, or whoever it is that you're worshiping, like, you know, I think it gets a little bit lost, um, in, you know, having, like, these scriptures and things, because you can want to, like, dive into it and be so just, like, knowledgeable, like, the intellectual side of it versus, like, the side that appeals more to your senses and your, you know, the way you feel emotionally and those types of things. It's more like I read it and there's a very cognitive, like, this is what it says, but, you know, you can get passionate about your opinions and things, but it's, I feel like sometimes that can get in the way if you're really trying to, like, worship or something. It's like, I think sometimes, at least for me, in my own upbringing and history with, you know, religious practice, I always felt sometimes things would get in the way. It's like, you could have a really great service where there's, you know, the, the worship music really gets people feeling like a different, a different, like, emotional sense and a different energy, and then somebody comes in with some sermon that just brings you down and makes you feel bad about yourself or whatever, and it's like, I didn't come here for this, you know what I mean? But, um, I don't I know, people talk a lot about conviction and all this kind of stuff, but it's like, um, you know, I often wonder, you know, if there is some benefit to, you know, these other types of ancient religions that don't have those books or books or religions that don't have books that, you know, people want to fight about and stuff it's like to me sometimes I'm like this is so pointless to have these like debates and arguing about all kinds of stupid things that it's just like 
like why would somebody want to spend their weekend doing that with people in a, in a place where it's like a congregation of people getting together to debate a book you know it's kind of like weird and people leave with like hurt feelings and don't really like they get like upset with one another and it's like I don't really feel like that is like a, a style of worship it's like why do people do that or why do people go in and start like just because they have a microphone now they want to bash their whole congregation like I do understand if there's like some kind of social issue coming up in a congregation of people and it's like there's somebody who's like causing chaos and of course I think that should be handled privately but if it becomes like a like a, a problem where there's like a lot of it going on and you know I think it I think it makes sense for like a pastor or somebody to like you know just be like it's not okay for people to be behaving like this you know because you're hurting other people's feelings but I think it gets a little tricky when it's like they start going a whole other level past that and they're like well you can't eat this meat anymore and I don't want to see you buying this on this day and I don't want to see you doing this you know and it's very like based in like are you following the rules and if you get caught breaking them you know you experience a sense of shame especially if somebody's calling it out or you know a sense of guilt um I don't think that should be something that you know a clergy person in a church or in a religion or you know some person in a leadership role should have to be constantly talking about I feel like when it comes to those things, those should be personal things that the individual person worshiping deals with on their own spare time. And, you know, I don't really think sermons are always necessary. Um, but that's kind of the flow of church. You can't really have, I've, I've never heard of a church that doesn't have sermons. I mean, maybe they exist, but I can't imagine like, you know, a church not having a sermon, and then, you know, a lot of times they have tithes and offerings and stuff, and the Bible does talk about tithing, uh, Jesus talks about it too, um, as like an act of worship, and there's all these types of acts of worship that you're told are things to do as, as acts of worship, um, but then on top of that, there's other stuff that's like, the book says to do this or not do this other thing these other like commandments that aren't necessarily like like part of a ritual or anything um so I don't know I wonder about that you know I often I often kind of get curious about that kind of thing um and yeah um yeah, I don't have, like, way too much to say about about it anymore, about more of it, but, yeah, when it comes to, like, ancient religions, that is one thing that I kind of was looking at, the crossover, is that it does seem like there's a lot of ancient traditions, like, if you look in, like, the Arab culture, if you look in Asian cult, like, ancient, like, Asian cultures, if you look in ancient, like, African cultures, a lot of, um cultures in what's now North America, South America, um, 
all around the world, you see a lot of traditions where there's altars, sacrifices, and different kind of rituals going on, but you don't see a lot of written books, texts that's like, this person said to do this and it's written down in that way, so we're just going to do this for all eternity because somebody wrote it, wrote it down and said that this is what we have to do. Um, and then we're going to get together once a week and talk about it a lot and decide on how we're going to all do it. You know, we're going to all have to follow the same exact thing that the pastor or whoever says we have to, we have to follow. And, you know, each church to church, even within a denomination or a sect, um, each, you know, religious group, uh, gathering can still be different. Um, they might believe different things, you know, like for example, in Adventism, you have really conservative Adventists, you know, the people who, you know, when you go to their churches, you have to dress a certain way, you have to read hymns, and they don't have, well, you sing hymns, and they might have like a piano or an organ, they rarely have drums, uh, you know, it's very like solemn, kind of old school type church music, like at the most you'll have like microphones set up or maybe tambourine someone on a tambourine or something but usually it's not you know a lot of instruments allowed like they usually have like a problem with with some types of music and stuff like that um versus other places where it's like it's almost like a rock concert or like a like a gospel concert or something like you know the music is like pretty upbeat and you know I think I think I mean I, I don't know if I can really get into it in this episode fully but I do think music has a very strong force to it I've always kind of thought that I've noticed it I've felt it I've definitely noticed how it can change a lot of things you know like um, like I'll talk about it maybe in another episode because I don't have a lot of thoughts on it directly right now, but, and then I'll end this one. But basically, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a, I was a pretty sensitive kid for sure. And was like, kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, paranoid, hypervigilant, you know, as a kid, like not really like somebody's going to get me or like there's monsters under my bed, but just kind of like, I, I wasn't too sure about what I was sensing sometimes at night, um, and I never slept well, and, you know, I don't think that ever fully went away, but I think now I'm kind of usually more so at a, um, like this is just part of my, my daily journey kind of thing. I don't ignore it, but I don't get, like, super afraid. Like, I would say when I was a kid, I used to get kind of, like, fearful of, like, sensing different things. I, I really don't know how to explain it. That's the best I can explain it. And I knew that, like, music would help for it to go away. Like, I felt really calm when I would listen to music at night. Um, so I would listen to music. I would turn on my little radio um, usually I had like church sermons on or like something like that. Um, but, or I had like jazz music, I think in LA it's 88.1, just like the jazz music station. And I would just play jazz music 
in the background the whole day. Um, it was pretty chill, and I liked it, and it was pretty simple to do, and I was enjoying myself, and, um, yeah, I, you know, um, I would fall asleep more easily then, and, um, yeah, like, when I'm fully awake, you know, music, sound in general is very powerful. Um, so I, I, I know a lot of times it's incorporated in a lot of different religions, uh, and a lot of people, and depending on what they believe in their religion, would probably say that there's certain types of music that's considered more okay than other types of music, you know, but overall, I guess if you get the theme right, you're okay, um, but also, like, the type of music you're singing, I guess, according to the religion, it's supposed to be, like, or the nomination or whatever, usually needs to be, like, on a certain theme, you know? It's kind of taboo to kind of bring in other types of music, and they'll be like, whoa, like, what is this? Like, this isn't our style of worship music, you know? Um, so I'd say usually there's some kind of music... Uh, I don't know what Quakers do, but usually there's some kind of music, there's usually some kind of prayer, and some type of speaking, um, of some kind, um, and usually that's all it really takes to have a religious service for the most part. It doesn't need to be, like, super organized, um... You know, the the New Testament talks about, you know, with prayer, if two or more come together. Um, I think in Jewish culture, eight is considered a minion. Um, I think, uh, I don't know in Islam if there's a certain amount of people um, that you have to have for, like, different prayer. Like, not that you have to have, but that you would prefer to have. Um, when it comes to, like, prayer and stuff like that. But I don't really see too many other, like, if you, I'm not saying people shouldn't read the Bible or don't read it or don't have a religion. I'm just saying when you take, like, a religious text out of the picture, all the religions seem to kind of have that kind of stuff in common. Even without the books involved, you still have those basic frames going on. Um... And just different kind of rituals and stuff that happen the day that there's the service or during the week and different stuff like that. Um, so I don't really know. Like, uh, that's mostly my thoughts on, on that. Um, but I want to talk more about modern religions, too. Something that I've noticed is, is different from, like, the ancient, the ancient traditions of things. Because... Um, I feel like it's really important to note, um, yeah, but I don't, I don't really know for sure, but, okay, I'll see if I, if I attach a daily episode to the end of this one, if not, it's because the daily episode is maybe long, I'll, I'll keep it separate, because I try not to make these, like, over 90 minutes, like, an hour is pushing it, so once it starts to get, like, close to 90 minutes, I don't want to tag on a separate hour of just, like, daily rant. 
So, um, yeah, I'm going to end this one for now. And with that, thanks for listening.